0: Hi, welcome to in your corner with core physical therapy my name is scott mckenzie and this podcast is uniquely positioned and what i mean by that we bring the medical industry the medical professionals to you and we talk about better pain management we talk about rehab after surgery we talk about improved mobility and we talk about preventative care and you know what else we talk about so much more on this particular podcast now thank you for joining this podcast so let's get on with the interview all right welcome to in your corner this is a core physical therapy podcast that's what they're talking about that's what they're all about we've got great guests right now and 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 one of them alonzo took a picture of us while we were on zoom so i'm pretty impressed with that how are you guys doing good excellent so for the listener, before we get into this conversation about lower extremity, you see see how I knew that Ellie. I just popped <laughs> that out. Overused injuries in track and field. We're gonna just go a little round the circle about who we are, and then uh, we're gonna I'm gonna hand it over to Doctor Rick, which you know who he is. He drops names. He he <laughs> knows people. All right, Alonzo, give us a little four one one on who you are okay, and why your uh, wife runs faster than you.
1: Absolutely. All right. So let me let me name drop, too. So um, after graduating, I went to college on a track scholarship. I was an All-American track runner from East St. Louis High School. And um, when when training for uh, the Olympics myself, I trained under the renowned uh, Bobby Kersey, who is the greatest track and field coach of all time. And um, while training under him, I apprenticed under him as well. So everything that I know about coaching track, I learned from him. Um, and, uh, he just so happened to be training my, uh, future wife, Don Harper Nelson, who actually graduated from high school with me and everything like that. And so, um, I didn't make it to the Olympics. I didn't win gold and silver, like my wife, but I went on to become, uh, um, a high school teacher, and math coach, um, high school math teacher and track coach. Wow. And, um, and then in the summertime I would assist, uh, Bobby Kersey, with Don and all of his other athletes, name drop time, Allison Felix, um, Sean Crawford, um, Jennifer Vitarmo, Virginia Powell, um, and uh, the the list goes on. Um, And so um, after I would go back and forth from like from high school track to professional Olympic track um, coaching, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then my wife, she retired and um in 18 to have our daughter and then she decides that she wants to pick it up again and run uh for the 2021 olympics um and we had this agreement that if you you can run as long as you want but after after a while you need to train from st louis which is where we're from um this area and so um with that being said bobby's in california and so i'm the head coach now and everybody else is the assistant coach you know which means that I have to pull from all of the knowledge expertise and the experts that I know. So um, I have so, to ask
0: uh, the question: Where did you go to college?
1: I went to Southeast Missouri State.: oh, there you go. There you go. I, yeah. I, I can't
0: talk any college trash with that one. Sorry. Oh. Uh, I was hoping to, but uh, that was dashed quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey did, hey, did you ever go up to the, uh, that Oregon, you know, the, the, the Oregon track and field event?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Like, uh, Oregon is the, that's the, that's the Mecca. Yeah. Like you
0: can't,
1: you can't say you do track if you've never been to Oregon. Um, (sighs) And, uh, and so, you know, I've I've, I've absolutely been there and I'm excited to go there this year. God,
0: I hate to follow that. Jody, follow that one.
2: (laughs) My name's Jody. I'm a physical therapist and the clinic manager at Cora Physical Therapy in Creve Core. Um, I also have a little bit of a track rap, track background. I ran track and field for Maryville University in St. Louis. Um, I was mainly a sprinter, but I also took home the gold medal in the GLVC conference for throwing javelin. So go. Yeah. yeah, I got to throw my. I don't have name drops, but I'll drop my gold medal. Hey, throw it! What?
0: I have a heck of an arm too.
1: That's you amazing. Know.
0: That is cool. All right, Dr. Rick, we all know about you. You can give us a little background, but, man, I'm going to ha- just have to hand it off to you and have this conversation about uh, injuries, overused injuries, and move forward. Does that sound like a plan?
3: That's perfect. So i know known Alonzo a long time and um, taken care of Dawn since she was in high school and other track athletes, many that uh, Alonzo just, just mentioned. And Alonzo and I are good friends, and we have a number of kids that he's coaching that uh, we converse on. So uh, a very, very good relationship, which I think is really important as it relates to taking care of professional athletes, Olympic athletes, etc. cetera. Uh, Alonzo didn't say this, but he's also played some semi-pro football. So the guy's an amazing athlete as well as extremely knowledgeable. And he didn't say this either, but he's a math teacher. So I don't know about the rest of you guys, but, math teachers are smart and the rest of us are dumb and that's just it oh, goes.
0: Yeah. yeah but he also wears a heck of a beard so i like him just because of the beard oh uh,
3: thanks there you go
0: yeah. i'm shallow
1: <laughs> hey i was i was bald-faced all the way until 25. <laughs> there you go
0: information you need to know about a lot
1: yeah there you go i also teach yoga yes yeah.
3: yes and, and does buy. some amazing yoga things which, which are <laughs> unnatural. Yeah, why not? And and, why, why, why? and, and amazing. <laughs> so tonight, you know, we're gonna talk about track injuries. And I thought we would change it up a little bit. Yeah. And try to add a little uh, spice to the to the podcast. Yes. And I and, and I think that track injuries when you're an orthopedic surgeon are based on a couple of principles. And one principle is biomechanics, and one principle is abnormal training and 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 overuse training and one principle is imbalance and weakness so one thing that bobby kersey uh taught me and and i've known bobby a long long time and 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 taking care of his athletes a long long time uh is that a healthy athlete is going to do a lot better Untra- not as well-trained as an unhealthy athlete who's perfectly trained. So this idea of, mm. that you have to train when you're hurt is probably inaccurate. And, and Alonzo and I have con- kind of gone through this. So to, to kind of kick off talking about um, track injuries, we're gonna talk about overuse, and we're gonna talk about imbalance, and we're gonna talk about common track injuries. And kind of where I'd like to start is is talking about the most common overuse injuries. So, Alonzo, in your mind, you've seen a lot of track and field. You've lived with Dawn. You know a lot of uh, elite track athletes. You were an elite track athlete. Tell me about what you think the most overuse injuries, what, what, what happens? Who gets hurt? How do they get hurt? What, what, what happens?
1: Um, I would say the most common that i experience especially on the lower leg in, um, injuries are shin splints right shin injuries ah, yes. um and i think those injuries they are not they don't discriminate right sprinters get them and distance runners get them um and i think they both get them for for different reasons right sprint uh, sprinters get it because especially training in the midwest um oftentimes athletes have to train on harder surfaces because of the weather right they don't have the luxury of being outside all the time so i have personal experience with athletes running in the halls right and so they're doing um, um high impact workouts in the hallways um business runners i believe theirs comes from more or less overuse right they um there's this notion to get like a certain number of miles in an insane amount of miles in weekly and, and, and rest is not important, especially the younger the athletes are. Um, and so like what happens is like with the shin, with the shin splint injury, some of, some of it's muscular, uh, but um, then the longer that those injuries like persist, I think they turn into fractures. And, and so um, what I've learned over time is that for shin splints to, to, to heal, depending on the level of severity, they have to stop running altogether, And for some reason us track athletes don't like the notion of not running. <laughs> so, so um, that's one thing. And I think for myself um, I've, I've experienced, so you talk about the, the hard surfaces. Um, I also talk to my athletes about um, comparing their, their running shoes to tires, right? Tires only last a certain number of mileage, right? And different terrain provide wear and tear on the tires, which, which in turn um, affects the way that the car operates. Um, and the same with shoes. Um, depending on the level of athlete, depending on how old or young they are, they will, they will recycle the same shoes over and over again. And, and they, they wanna move with the same kind of velocity and force and um, the shoes can't, can't sustain them or they can't support them. And, and their shin come from there as well. Um, Dr. Lehman, he mentioned it earlier about uh, fatigue being another uh, reason. I think that that goes along with, um, I think about, uh, cramping as well. So muscle cramps, but fatigue and and imbalances, um, which is another thing that, uh, that can be, uh, can plague our, our younger athletes, right? They don't have the luxury of going to a chiropractor weekly, like uh, my wife does, who is a professional, um, professional uh, Olympic athlete. Um, but um, but if I was to say which uh, injury is the most common, it would be shin splints.
3: And so so take me through it. You you know, Dawn starts at her Hava starts complaining of her of her shin, and, yeah. and you're looking at her running. What are you looking for? You're the coach, and you're yeah. looking at biomechanics, how she's running, whether she's hurdling, she's running flats. How, what are you looking
1: for? I mean, what? How do we know what's wrong? So I, it, it's really dependent on uh, when they feel the shin splints, right? When they feel that pain, right? So I'm asking, I'm asking if they're feeling it on takeoff, or if they're feeling it when they land, do they feel it when they break down, do they feel it while they're walking? Um, and, and like doctors and medical professionals are great with number scales, right? And so uh, um, the challenge, especially, I, I noticed that we were talking about female athletes. I believe that female athletes have a higher pain tolerance than male athletes. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can endure a whole lot more pain which is which is why it's more important for me to like really watch and listen to like the way the athletes describe the pain that they're dealing with and so I'm watching I'm watching how they how they take off and seeing if the force that they're applying in their right leg is the same as the force that they're applying in their left leg are they are they um, nursing anything as they slow down which is something that I noticed in dawn who has like a uh, she had an ankle she had an ankle injury earlier this year and so whenever I whenever I see those things um, I have to ask right away you know uh, what's going on but they they really like they really t- the body tells on itself right and and depending on the level of athlete or the type of athlete they're not going to tell you that they that they're hurt but their body will tell you And so it's important that um, I watch and the faster the athlete is you just have to accept the fact that you can't see with the naked eye. So I'm recording things and I'm playing it back, and and then then it, it kind of exposes more things for uh, for me and the athlete.
3: So so you're gonna videotape Don or one of your athletes running, and then you're gonna kind of show them where you think things are breaking down. Kind of a kind of an aside before the last Olympics, Allison Felix, who Alonzo's heard of and maybe no one else has heard of, but probably yeah. the greatest sprinter, one of the greatest sprinters ever lived, if not the greatest sprinter ever lived. Absolutely. can patient. Mm-hmm. Um, injured her ankle. And we didn't really figure it out until Bobby Kersey sent me a video. And once we saw the video, we saw that she was basically uh, failing medially, kind of collapsing medially. We were able to kind of turn things around and actually – she competed in the Olympics and medaled and blah, blah, blah. But I think, I think the concept of videotaping your athletes is huge because no matter what the coach can see more, you can slow it down. You can break it down and the athlete can kind of see what's going on. And you can say everything you want to say to an athlete, but it's not the same as, as when you're looking at it. So Jody patient comes in, uh, Coach Nelson says they got shin splints. Give me your thoughts. How, how do you work through that? What do you do?
2: Um, so obviously the first thing, you know, I'll look at their ankle. I'll look at their mobility. But I don't stop at ankles just for shin splints. I'll look at the strength around their knees. I'll look at the strength in their hips. I'll look at the strength in their core. Um, because like he said, I do the same thing. I will videotape them running, jumping, whatever part they're having the problem in, and see where they're breaking down. You know, are they breaking down at their hip that's causing them to land harder? They're not essentially eccentrically controlling that. Um, and so that's where I start to make sure, like he said, where you're having the pain, what what point of contact you're having the pain. And that's where we start to treat. Um, so I will have runners occasionally come in and they have shin splints. And I'm like, well, we have to address it from your hip. It's all coming from your hip and they're like, "Well, what the heck? My shin's hurt." Like, I understand, but you have to have that good technique, that good form, that good body mechanics. Otherwise, we can strengthen your ankle, strengthen your foot intrinsics, but we're not fixing the problem, you know, if their problem's coming from their hip. So, like you said, it's kind of a full body approach whenever I treat runners or athletes of any sort because I have to figure out where that breakdown is happening.
3: So that that that's that's a very important point because it's a biomechanical chain. And you know the knee bone's connected to the hip bone, so to speak, and and you have to figure out just like you said where 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 the failure is. So if someone comes in and they have let's say terribly pronated flat feet, where do you go from there?
2: So if they're super flat, the first thing I'll work on is their intrinsic strength. I do something with people; um, they always look at me like I'm crazy, but I will make them do toe yoga. Um, so meaning foot's flat, making sure they can pick up big toe without curling any of their other toes, making sure they can pick up all of their toes without influencing their big toe. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, everybody thinks that your foot is just connected to you. It's like you have a flipper on, it's like a paddle on the bottom of your foot. That's what it is. Um, but that's not really true. You know, you have a bunch of bones in your foot, you have a bunch of muscles in your feet. You got to make sure that you have that stability in your arch if you're already collapsed. One of the other things that if people come in, they are super pronated um, and they are one of our stubborn runners that don't want to stop running. Um, You know, I might call the doctor and say, you know, we might have to get them into an orthotic if they're going to not stop running. Um, If they truly will relax, take a little time off, cross train maybe and do some strengthening exercises, that's a little different but sometimes the use of an orthotic can come in to help people just get that little bit of arch while we're strengthening and stabilizing everything in their foot.
3: Excellent. So coach Nelson, since, since we're getting into this a little bit uh, your, your athlete comes in, they have shin splints. Maybe they have a stress fracture. You send them to the doctor. The doctor is going to work them up for a stress fracture. If it's a female, female, maybe they worry about something called the female triad, which is osteoporosis, amenorrhea, and some kind of eating disorder, which we see actually more in gymnastics, but you can see it in in long distance track runners. So they've got work worked up trying to differentiate shin splints, which is uh, a a tendon muscle insertion problem versus a stress fracture. And in my mind, it's a continuum. And so the doctor says, well, we we, we think they have terrible shin splints. They might have an early stress fracture. I don't think they should run. What are you gonna do? What's your cross training? What's your standard? So, what what's your go-to to treat that to keep that athlete in shape, to keep that athlete ready to get on the track and turn over as soon as they're healthy? What, what what's your what's your program?
1: So in my back pocket, I have a pool training, right? So you're gonna you're gonna run in a pool, whereas like low impact or no impact. So um, so for Hava and Don for instance, uh uh the pool is low impact, but we want to we want to still build up those lungs and and those mechanics and that musculature, uh, without without putting any pressure on those lower extremities. And so, you get you get some uh, floating floating devices enough so they don't touch the ground at all, right? And so we're working that, and um and we're staying we're strictly in a pool unless the uh, the shin splints or the uh, the pre fracture or whatever it's referred to is uh is strong enough for them to p- apply slight pressure and and if they are then uh, and and all of this is i'm, I'm working with the doctor right I'm, I'm talking to dr Lehman about this and, and i'm asking if riding the bike is is sufficient enough right um and if i get the green light so we would mix bike riding and and pool work um and then and then outside of all of that we can do band work as well um, and, and so i would lay, i would have the athlete on their back and we would use some type of bungee cords to connect to either the lower leg extremity or the foot and hook it up to an, an immovable device and have them just building up those hip muscles uh, we, w- we would also um, the, the focus the one thing that uh, jody mentioned was strength right many many shin injuries de- uh, develop because of weakness uh, as well right muscle muscle weakness and so we have to build up uh, the uh, the muscles surrounding the the shin and and uh, and like your your upper leg and back leg. And so you talk you talk Scott about making it spicy. So I'm gonna show you the leg, and we got oh, so my, my
0: heart skipping a beat, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> many athletes have shin splints on the inside, right? So it's like more muscular, right? But then um, I believe like. In my experience, my yeah. distance runners have it up here and you got this bone here, but you also have this muscle like kind of on top of it. And so you really have to play with um, play with like uh, oh, deciphering where the pain is coming from um, with the naked eye, yeah. you know, before an MRI or seeing a doctor or um, or, or x-ray. And, and so that kind of can tell the story as well. But um, for me. My training is going to be pull, band work, any, any and everything that requires them to not be on their feet, right? Um, And then um, as the as the it turns into a yellow light in regards to talking with the doctor um, and and allowing them to like get back at it, we we wouldn't go straight to running. We started walking, right? And so Hava, for example, uh, she's had terrible shin issues. we stayed we stayed on the bike, and from the bike we went to walking, and then from walking we went to run walking or jaw walking, and then from there we went to full on running. But uh, it was it's it's a process, and and for and I think one thing that me as a coach and many coaches um, have to remember is like the athlete they they really feed off of you. So I wasn't in a hurry for her to get to running because I wanted her to be healthy. I wanted her to be you know fully healed. So I was willing to take as much time as needed for her to be 100% because if I rush her back into running or competing, she's going to be rushed right back into being injured and looking at us all sad in face, you know what I mean? And so it's really like for me, it's, it's more or less about strengthening and being 100% or as close to 100% because track and field as opposed to in many other sports, I won't say all of the sports, but many other sports, track and field, those athletes are required. They have to be as close to 100% in order to execute. Um, other sports, other team sports, they can be 50% or 60% and hobble around and still be, you know, successful. But for a track athlete, um, because it's an individual sport and it requires it requires the athlete to push the body to the limit, they have to be as close to 100% as possible. So it's, it's up to us to use our discretion and, like, honestly, our um, – our patience and our humility to like tell them to, to dial things back. So, so Jody,
3: the patient comes in, you assess them, you say they have, you think that they have possibly shin splints, they have a stress fracture, lower extremity is a problem. What are you looking for? T- t- talk to us about what, you know, what can we teach the other physical therapists out there about pelvic imbalance, o- about, what are the other predisposing factors or what are the other problems that can lead to shin splints? Be a little bit more specific and, and, and help me understand what I have to look for when that patient comes in uh, in terms of, of secondary issues that might lead them to overload their anterior medial or their anterior lateral tibial uh, stress reaction.
2: Yeah, so one of the big things, you know, we've talked about strength, but one thing we haven't talked about is muscle imbalance. So we think about track runners and you run around a track typically the same direction every time right Um, when i ran track in college we never practiced running the same direction that we raced unless we were doing race-like practices Um, we always ran backwards around the track not physically backwards but the other direction backwards Um, and that's what i tell you know a lot of therapists and even some coaches that are new to the track world is You know, if you're constantly turning one direction, you're gonna have shortened muscles on one side. You're gonna have, you know, weaker muscles because you're always pushing more off of that right foot. Um, So one of the big things is looking at muscle imbalance. You know, how is hamstring length right compared to left? How is quad length right compared to left? Um, And those things, you know, ultimately, like we said, it's a biomechanical chain. If you have muscle imbalances, whether it be a tightness or a weakness, That's going to cause the chain to break down somewhere. And your ankle is the smallest joint out of, you know, your lower extremities. And your ankle can take, you know, a lot of force, but it can also cause a lot of those nagging injuries that you're like, oh, is it something that really hurts? Or am I just making this up? Um, So making sure that you are educated in your patient sport. You know, if you don't know a lot about track as a therapist, that's okay. We don't expect you to know a lot but kind of do your research, ask, you know, ask other therapists in your clinics, you know, have you ever treated track athletes? Do you know anything? And one of the big things is if you don't know, don't be scared to ask doctors too, you know, don't be scared to ask the doctor if you have a question about it, because yes, when a patient comes in, you know, we know how to treat patients, right? We know how to look for muscle imbalances. We know how to look for strengths, but do we know how to treat patient specific or sports specific things? not all the time and I won't say I'm an expert when it comes to you know football that's not you know my brother played football but do I know what they need to be able to do you know on a football field no besides push people around for you know 10 seconds and then take a little break um yeah, you're, so, yeah.
0: you're oversimplifying it I just want to be <laughs> on this side of that
2: oh I know my brother would be mad if he was
1: listening that was kind of yeah, I was like Please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my contribution is getting my hackles up here.
2: <laughs> but like we said, you know, track is more of an endurance thing. You got to go for a lot longer. You have a lot of more repetition, whether that be foot striker, you know, if you're hurtling, you got to be able to land those things. Um, so, yeah, you know, making sure that hamstring length, hamstring strength is good you know, quad length, quad strength, especially your VMO, that's something that a lot of people lack whenever they, you know, will look at athletes, but if your VMO is not strong, which is your medial quad muscle, um, it can cause your patella to be off, it tracks off, that can lead, you know, to other injuries down the chain, um, so just making sure that you are looking at the athlete as a whole, not just if a doctor says mm-hmm. they have shin splints, don't just look at their shins. So. So,
3: so I think there are a couple of huge points made by both you guys. One is if you think of a track, it's an oval, right? So, so, so the leg on the outside of the track has more stress and has to go faster than the leg on the inside of the track. That's just physics, right? It, right. it has to always catch up. And based on that, you're 100% correct. You, you, you need to look at the biomechanics. And I think your track coach was right. It's better that you go in both directions so you can even out that stress. So I think that that's an important concept. The second concept, which is extremely important, and it's not just physical therapists, is that if you have a track athlete, let's say it's your son or your daughter or whatever, um, you want to have somebody treating that athlete Who's treated track athletes and that could be someone who's an athletic trainer, who's a physical therapist, who's a primary care doctor, who's an orthopedist. So if your primary care doctor doesn't really have much experience, you want to find someone who's a sports medicine guy who also treats track athletes, because if you're used to treating bobsledders and you're going to try to treat track athletes, there isn't really that much crossover. You have to really understand the biomechanics. And I probably look at, I would say, 8, 10 videos a week of of track athletes running, hurdling, field athletes. And and that means a lot to me. I can really understand and break it down. But I think if you're used to treating just general orthopedic problems, I, I don't know that there's a lot of crossover. So what I'd like to do now is kind of change directions just a little bit. And I want to talk about hamstring injuries. So this is Olympic year. And Don is going to go as we do every Olympic year to the nationals in this famed, uh, university of Oregon place. And, and we're going to go watch lots and lots of athletes do lots and lots of stuff. And they're going to try to make the Olympic team. And one of the things we're going to see a lot of, I can promise you, cause we're already seeing it and we see it in football, we see it in other sports, but we see it a lot in track is hamstring injuries. You know, I, I pulled, so, Lonzo, I'm going to shoot this back to you, and I want your, your, your coach's perspective on, you know, tell me about hamstring injuries.
1: Uh, um, hamstring injuries, uh, for the most part, um, in my experience, have come from muscle imbalance, right? Um, muscle imbalance, uh, lack of range of motion, right? Non-flexibility. And, um, and then I was going to say students, but athletes being um, misaligned, right? uh so um and and and, um and so with that i again i'm i'm a huge proponent of like the prep the preparation of like competing right and so um track and field as opposed to many other sports we spend at least an hour preparing to run right And, and and i've always earmarked that time because the body needs to be warmed up and i think about this analogy that my uh, roommate from college gave me about a piece of gum, right? You think of your your muscles like a piece of gum. If a piece of gum is is cold and you bend it, it's gonna break. But the as you warm that that piece of gum up, you can you can move it and bend it, you know, to your liking. And so I always think about that with the with the um, hamstring or with with all the muscles, but the hamstring in in, in particular. Um, one other thing though is I noticed that. Even though the hamstring is the biggest muscle on the leg, we don't spend especially track athletes don't spend enough time strengthening the hamstring, right? Which is another reason why that muscle, well, the muscle imbalance happens, right? So, uh, case in point, at the school I coach at, uh, Belleville West, um, it took me two years to find out where the hamstring, uh, where the, the hamstring uh, machine was, you know. And so, you have to figure out different ways to strengthen the hamstring. And so uh, you learn eccentric, kind of eccentric training, um, learning how to do hamstring curls from your back and everything like that. But the emphasis, like emphasizing strengthening the hamstring, has been a what has been so important to the uh, the longevity, the strength, and the success of any kind of uh, athlete, particularly our sprinters. Um, and 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 what you find out when you get to the hamstring uh, uh, curl machine is that their hamstrings are very weak. No matter how big or how defined those muscles might look, they are very weak. And, and I think a lot of injuries come because of the, the weakness in the hamstring.
3: And,
0: and Doctor, can time? I interrupt real quick? What, with all this science, how are people still having hamstring injuries? I mean, it, it just seems – I don't understand it. I'm sitting here going, makes sense to me. But then you go to Oregon, and then boom – There are people having hamstring injuries and they're, they're training for the, the, the Olympics. I'm, I'm shocked on this side of the mic. It's it's a, it's a
1: hard, it's hard, right? It's hard. Like, you know, uh, everybody, everybody wants the glamorous side of sport and, 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 and racing and crossing the finish line and winning, but, um, little things, the little things like stretching, like athletes, like a lot of athletes don't like to stretch, right. Um, hydrating, eating right. Like they don't like to do that. And, and because we look a particular way and you might put out a particular time at practice, you think that my diet is okay. I don't have to worry about it. But when it's time to really, when you add pressure, the pressure of the Olympic trials on um, the pressure of a million fans watching yeah. you, the pressure yeah. of, you know, my contract on the line, um, the body's going to call on you to do things that you're not, you haven't, you haven't prepared yourself for you know, yeah, uh, and so if you're not if you're not stretching, if you're not doing those hard exercises like those those power cleans and hamstring curls and these eccentric hamstring um, exercises and things of that nature, um, the body, will tell, it'll expose you. So,
3: well, yeah. and, and I think I think Alonzo's right. And I think we've all been there. You know, all the other people lining up in those other seven lanes, they're, they're not jokers. I mean, they're they're no. the greatest athletes in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can go out and run your times and Alonzo and can say, okay, we're going to do this or do some repeat four, whatever it is. And you can run your times. But now all of a sudden that, that, that girl in lane two, you know, has, has the best record in the, in, uh, in the world for this year. All of a sudden you're competing against seven other people. You talk about pressure, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody, there's, there's nobody bad in, in that track final. And so yeah. again, yeah, you're going to push and you're going to push and what's going to give your hammy. And, and I can promise you between now and the Olympic trials, between Bobby no. Kersey and Alonzo and, and two or three of the greatest coaches in the world, we're going to see a lot of hamstring injuries because he's right. There's, there's pelvic imbalance, which we're going to shoot at wow. Jody here in a minute. And there's hamstring length imbalance and there's insertional pain. And there's a lot of things that go into that working that hamstring. And you know what? No one wants to work their hamstring. It <laughs> no isn't but. glamorous. And, and you can't see it on when you take your shirt off at the beach. So why work it? And, and so, you know, it, it kind of goes by the wayside. So having said that, Jody, walk us through your evaluation of a hamstring injury.
2: Yeah. So hamstrings, obviously you'll look at their length laying on their back um, and see what they are left compared to right. But one of the big things that I do is look at their pelvic alignment, kind of like you said. So your pelvis, if you think about it, should be nice and equal. You know, your front bone should stick out the same amount as the back bones. Um, But with uh, female athletes and females in general, we have a little more laxity in our body. Um, You know, that's just how we're made. That's how we're genetically, you know, predisposed. So what can happen is you can have a little bit of shift in your pelvis. And if there's a little bit of shift, you might not always feel it. Um, but if you have that little bit of shift and you're out there running six days a week, you know, feeding one of those days, that repetitive stress of constantly pulling on one of those hamstrings um, can make a big deal. So one of the big things, like you said, is I will look at pelvis, pelvic alignment. You know, when I look at all my runners, I truly do start from the core down. You know, I care about your feet, but if you're not strong and stable centrally, you are not gonna be strong and stable distally. Um, And so making sure that you have good pelvic alignment, whether that be, you know, if you have one tight hamstring on one side versus a tight quad on the other side, those are things that make, you know, a big difference if you're repetitively running and practicing and competing because over time, like we said, something's gonna give and typically it is gonna be that hamstring. You don't really hear of a lot of quad injuries um, those are more kind of blunt force injuries that happen. You know, if you hit a hurdle, if you hit something like that, um, but your hamstring, you know, that push off motion of running. Um, if you're not strong and you go to, you know, dig in hard and push off, the first thing that's going to pop is that hamstring. So,
3: and, and so, so, so let's talk about a couple things. Patient comes in. I know that my treatment pattern for hamstrings have changed. We like to get them in as early as possible. We like to PRP them, platelet-rich plasma, where we draw their blood, spin it down. We usually add a little bit of stem cells and inject the hamstring within the first 48 hours after they get injured and then wrap them. And we found that this has really decreased their downtime. And hamstring injuries can last for, you know, you think, oh, I'm gonna be better in a couple of weeks, but it can last for, for months, especially as Alonzo said, if you're competing high pressure, you know, you're at the Olympic trials, you're at the Olympic games, you're at the World Championships, so you you you're going to stress this hamstring. This hand, you're, you know, you're in the blocks, you're coming out of the blocks, you're fin- you're coming down um, at the end of the mile. It doesn't make a difference. Anytime you're gonna you're gonna push and try to get that extra gear, that hammy is going to be asked to respond, and, and maybe it can, and maybe it can't, but that's when we see re So having said that and having said, you know, the doctor is going to do what he's going to do. Doctors have their magic special potions that they don't like telling you about how to get these things healed. What are you going to do to treat that, that athlete that comes in? We get the MRI, they have a grade two fascial tear. There's blood in the hamstring, muscle belly, the biceps femoris, which is the main, usually the, the, the hamstring part of the hamstring that's injured. What are you going to do? to calm that down? When do you start to stretch? When do you look at pelvic imbalance? Um, And tell us about what you think we need to do for core strengthening.
2: Yeah, so I usually start, you know, yes, after it, I will start with some gentle stretching, but what I tell them is I don't want you to stretch it so much that you feel like it's gonna cramp up or you feel like you're gonna have that pull sensation. But we do have to get it moving. We do have to get some mobility in there. Um, I typically, uh, I am a STEM certified, so different tools that we can use to kind of break up soft tissue or different, um, adhesions. I will use those, but one of the big things, uh, like Alonzo said was eccentrically training. Um, I do a lot of RDLs with my patients, whether it be single leg or double leg, um, single leg usually comes after I make sure that they have good balance and they can do it um but rdls is a big one we will use different kind of like he said earlier um band work to make sure that you know you get some of that elasticity pull back that you need instead of it going straight to the snap um but one of the big things like you just mentioned is core strength um i start a lot of them with core strength um and some of these exercises are going to sound a little funny Um, but dead bugs is probably one of my favorites. So laying on your back, all four limbs up and being able to eccentrically control arms and legs down. Um, it works typically your whole body. You can add resistance, you can add weight, you can add balls. Um, but I typically am not going to put them in a crazy stretch situation right away to start because we've already overly stretched it. That's how they got hurt. You know, they pulled it and they snapped that injury Um, so we're going to start with the stabilization part of it, make sure their glutes are strong, make sure all of our surrounding muscles are strong while we let that hamstring heal a little bit. But like I said, the big thing is I won't shy away from working on it. We have to make sure that mobility stays good, but we also have to make sure everything surrounding it is going to keep you stable too.
3: So Alonzo, Jody, starting with her therapy, we're kind of getting back a little bit athletes still sore can't really stride out what are you going to do what, what, what's your go-to I mean we, we're going to put them back in the pool we're going to put them on a bike um and then talk about their return to the track a little bit had, had a hamstring injury maybe this is a recurrent hamstring injury um we've got the Olympic trials coming up in two months two and a half months T- tell us how we're going to get that athlete back on the track
1: so um I think I think we we again go overtime with the low impact stuff. You know what I mean, like the back my back pocket injury injury proof you know um, exercises. Um, but but then once we can get back to like actually like moving again, I think we go back to the basics, like kind of Jody talked about with the core work, which is which is drills and track and field, right? And so we're spending a lot of time drilling. And depending on the event, like for instance, Don who runs hurdles. Um, she's going to be imbalanced a lot, right, for, for two reasons. One, because she hurdles, um, which means that um, hurdling. she's a 100 hurdle, which means that her left leg is going to be doing a movement that the right leg doesn't do, and the right leg is going to always be doing a movement that the left leg doesn't do. So there's, there's different forces that are, that are going to make contact, and it's going to affect the body. Um, the, other, the other component or the other caveat that has added is the fact that she's a mom. And, and so that, that elasticity in, in her pelvis is a lot, is, is becoming more fused, but it's still quite loose, all right, or impressionable. And so it's important that um, we keep that core strength and that pelvic strength uh, uh, up. And, and I think like, honestly, we as coaches, we discredit, coaches and athletes discredit the value of proper mechanics with doing drills, right? Um, and I always tell my athletes, uh, your drills replicate running, right? And so if you if you uh, lollygag or you don't take your drills seriously or you're not paying attention to how you're moving when you drill, uh, don't expect to have your body do any amazing things um, when you're actually trying to put out, right? Whatever you put out is what you prepare in your drills. And so um, and honestly, so I'm 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 not afraid of spending. And, they, and I've seen a lot of time focusing on drills and mechanics and especially drills that are specific to the athlete's uh, event or events. So um, that's going to be my main focus. And then um, another thing um, when we talk about, especially like mus- muscle, muscle injuries um, getting in there and really like massaging it. Like Don has really exposed me to uh, like massaging and deep tissue massaging um, those muscles. Um, so Don, Don, she has muscles that her muscles fuse together. Like they, they like are really, really like sticky. That's what she calls sticky muscles. And so when, when she's really, when she's really hot and really ready um, to compete, her muscles are, they're they're stronger. So I have to apply more force. Um, and, And that also tells me as a coach, like where my athlete is, right? If I, if I really have to put in work to like massage out those muscles, that means that there's some strength in there Um, as opposed to when she had just come back from the baby and we started training. um, I'm, I'm in track mode where I have to apply. She's like, nah, you ain't got to push that hard. So I know like, okay, I, I, we got some work to do, you know? Um, But um, drills, drills, drills. Um, And, and honestly researching what your, what the event, what drills are best, best suited for the event of that athlete. Um, but, uh, and I think, like you said, Jody earlier, like track and field is an, it, it requires a lot of endurance, endurance in the sense that as an athlete becomes, uh, as they get more fit or become more fit, they can focus better when it's time to put out or when, like, like we were talking to Scott, like when it's time to qualify for that Olympic team or qualify for that conference championship or qualify for the NCAAs um or qualify for the state championship like it requires a different amount of stress and a different amount of focus that if you're out of shape you're not going to be you're, you're not going to be attentive to and the body is not going to be suited to do whatever you you need it to do
3: so in closing you know i, I first of all i want to thank you guys i think this may be one of our best podcasts because it really gets into the weeds a little bit about about you know what what you can it's easy to regurgitate you know we're going to stretch we're going to do this but this kind of gets the perspective of a of a a well-known uh track coach who's got a lot of experience who ran himself who's coaching actively and coaching at every level high school kids you know maybe one of the greatest hurdlers ever lived um and and then gets into the biomechanics of physical therapy. And again, I think, I think it's a subspecialty. I think it's a subspecialty in orthopedics. It's a subspecialty in track and field. And the coach is the same. Your bowling coach can't be your track coach. It's not going to work. And I think based on this, um, we, we, we really explored kind of the, the, the subtleties of, of, of what, what your track coach is thinking or what your track coach should be thinking. So I, I really appreciate, um, your guys' times, and, and and I think in closing, I think give us, I don't know, five sentences of, of, of what's in store for Don Harper, Nelson getting ready for the Nationals.
1: Um, so uh, I think building our confidence up, you know, she hasn't trained, she hasn't competed like at this level in like two years, COVID has been like an actual a blessing in disguise, right? So she's gotten to become acclimated with her body um, and the new program, you know, being with me. And, um, and I think so in the, in the upcoming weeks, um, we're gonna be just building our confidence. And, um, and if a confident athlete can beat any, any athlete, and, and Don has prided herself in being a gamer, um, if she lines up next to you and she's confident, she's going to beat you no matter who you are, you know and, and so um, that's what we're going to be working on, like the, the focus is building her confidence um, and and with, with with a confident Don is unstoppable um, and, and like, you know, I'm just putting it out there, me and Dr. Lee talk about it a lot but we're going for the world record, you know and so uh, her to break the world record at 37 um, with the child you know, whether it be an Olympic final or before or after the Olympic Games, uh, to be running at that velocity and that speed is just you know nobody. For her to break the world record, she's she solidifies herself as the greatest female hurdler to walk the planet, which we already know she is. And she's come from this the the Midwest, right? And so um, that's 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 what's in store. You know what I mean? And that's what we're working towards. And um, you all are part of the journey. Jody, final thoughts?
2: Um, I would love to meet your wife is my first <laughs> thought um, because I had the same mentality when I ran track too. you know, I might not always be the fastest, but if I am the most confident there and I know that I can do it, you know, I'm going to do it. I might kill myself afterwards and go see the trainer afterwards. But, right. um, but my biggest, you know, take home is like I said, when you treat a track and field athlete, make sure that you're addressing their whole body, you know, make sure you're starting at the core and working all the way down to their feet. Um, I think that's one thing that, you know, as a therapist, we could do an injustice to our patients if we only treat, if a doctor writes shin splints on there, if we only treat shins, um, because truly it is a chain and it is, you know, biomechanics and we got to make sure that we are addressing and doing what's best for the patient. So that's, you know, starting from the top down with things like that.
3: Listen, everybody, thank you very much again. Thank you, um,
1: Dr. Lehman. I appreciate this, it, man. This
3: this was, uh, you know, a lot of insight, a lot of insight. And uh, I, I, I think everyone's going to be watching the Olympic trials and everyone's going to yeah. be watching the Olympics. And uh, now you, everybody's got a dog and a hunt. So uh, you know, let's go, Don.
0: So here, here, here's a confidence builder. Just Google Don Nelson and, and, and uh, see the pictures. That's, that's, it's intimidating for me. Uh, Yeah. So so tell her, there's a great photo of her doing planks with the baby on her back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's impressive.
1: She's actually at the weight room right now. Like, um, I dropped her off at grandma's and she went to the weight room. Um, We're actually working on building one in the basement, but yeah, that's where she is. Otherwise Jody, I have her come in and say, hi. But she's, uh,
0: she got, God. she got, <laughs> got a been all starstruck. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, how are you? Don <laughs> guarantee you that would have been the case. I've already got past you there, Dr. Rick. So I, I'll find out. <laughs> I'll be, I'm fine now. I'm not starstruck with you anymore. anyway. Anyway. Yeah. All right. You guys are absolutely wonderful. I love the conversation. There was a couple of questions I wanted to ask, but I felt intimidated by, uh, to ask them, So I didn't ask them. and I might ask them later, but I'm not going to ask them now. How's that? <laughs> All right. You've joined In Your Corner uh, podcast brought to you by the uh, wonderful people at Cora Physical Therapy. Thank you very much for joining. Oh, before I forget, if if somebody says, hey, I want to get a hold of uh, Alonzo. How does how does somebody get a hold of Alonzo? I I know I'm not even going to talk about Don. Don't 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 even Uh, don't even think about getting a hold of Don, but you can get a hold of Alonzo. He's a math teacher. He should be able to be. Absolutely. I mean,
1: you can you can follow me on IG at ZOE. ESL. Um, I'm on Instagram. I mean, that was Instagram. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, at mm-hmm. Mr. Algebra Nelson, which is <laughs> like, um, that's really my educational uh, uh, Twitter account. Um, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Alonzo Nelson, you'll see me holding my daughter upside down. We were in uh, we we're in Colorado. Um, and, and so um, you can you can find me all of those ways
0: plenty of options all right what about you jody real quick
2: um i'm in Creefcore. core uh a core physical therapy you link me up on the website or my email address um is j-k-l-o-t-t at corahealth.com Very cool. feel free to shoot me an email
0: i like that that was really good you can also go out to coraphysicaltherapy.com there's a lot of information out there and all you have just to click away from getting answers how's that Yeah, that's free. Don't even worry about it. All right. Again, thank you for joining in your corner with uh, Core Physical Therapy. Thank you very much. And we're going to come back with another great interview. It's it's probably not going to be as good as this one. (laughs) It will be. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers and good night, guys.